Yo. I was thinking, like, I had this idea um, a couple of days ago. Like, what if we just, like, because I don't know if, about you, but, like, I'm constantly taking in content from things. Like, I'm constantly learning shit every day, like, on YouTube. And I recently just got a notebook. I'm going to start taking notes on the stuff that I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to categorize each thing into, like, subjects. And I've noticed that I return to the same things, like, philosophy, history. And, and English, I'm just like, fuck it, like, I might as well be in school, so I'm, I'm taking notes, but I was thinking, like, we should, we should just write shit down the week of, and be like, this would be interesting to talk about, and then we have the notebook with us, just to, like, bring up topics, you know? Yeah, I, I fuck with that. I don't keep a notebook for, like, academic study. Honestly, I feel like, going to school in that regard kind of like um squeezed the motivation to to do what you're doing out of me but what i yeah. do instead is keep is is more just like keep a, a record of like insights or ideas or questions as they occur about like mm -hmm. anything your your insert your other instagram is sort of like that i feel like you're you're just kind of get like clarity and then you post it exactly right so but there's for like every post that's on that account there's like 10 other thoughts that go unposted you know so yeah if we were to um we could like frame the conversation around a subject like you said like ones you keep returning to or just mm -hmm. a general concept even or it could just be interesting yeah just things. like i was thinking yeah like random things just quick little notes like I like I don't know I just had the thought like this would be this would make more sense if we just wrote it and then like to start off because we kind of just start off and it goes wherever it goes but it'd be better for like if I or at least if I had something just be like oh I was just looking at this the other day and then we could just start a conversation yeah I'm done that sounds good do you have anything right now for it no worries if you don't there was i was watching this video of um this guy named jason residue johnny he's a philosopher and he used to teach philosophy but um he was talking about how we have in the in the conversation it was like a it was a podcast like this like a zoom call and um they, they were talking about the idea of iconotypes or archetypes, but he made the distinction, the other guy in the, in the podcast, I forget his name, he made the distinction between arc, universal archetypes like triangle, like in a platonic sense where it's triangle, sphere, uh, re rectangle, like, or even uh, justice, beauty. Like these, those, are, those are universal ideals or, or archetypes. Like they're always there no matter what we can draw we can look we can find those things but the guy but the guy, other guy in the discussion he he brought up the fact that there's he he made the distinction between archetypes and iconotypes which are relative only to the he they call i mean i've heard this word before but it's called epoch like an epoch of time is just this bubble of time that existed and then we're in a new e epoch he was saying that iconotypes of each era 
has changed and we sort of rule we're ruled by the idea of an arc of an iconotype for our culture one of the things that he brought up was or he was giving examples of each of the times he was talking about oh in the renaissance it was all about um something space <laughs> hold on uh infinite space infinite space was the was the vibe of of the renaissance where it like oh. If you look into the Mona Lisa's eyes, you, the perspective of the background changes. Like somehow, somehow, um, Leonardo da Vinci was that fucking genius. He, if you look into the Mona Lisa's eyes, she follows you, and the perspective of the background changes as if you were looking, if you were looking at it from a different perspective. Wait, is that to say that the Mona Lisa was the first painting to capture that? eye following sense of the subject depicted because i've seen that in other paintings i think it was they, these were like yeah well that era was like the staple of it they all were like trying to convey that like illusions within the painting itself oh. whereas like in the in medieval times it was just they would paint the bourgeois as jesus like there was a guy that was really cool and it, he was really rich and and prominent and he was he was he was what they considered as a as a high cultured person they would he would model for the painter and he would be jesus in the painting he'd be whoever in the painting like that was just the that was just the iconotype the, the bourgeois the rich people were the iconotypes of that era and then it became like ideas became the iconotype so infinite space they wanted to uh convey that understanding with the, with their art and it's usually in art like if you look at it it's in art and in, in in the people of the time but then he talked about van gogh van gogh was more of a um i forget what he described it as but i i what i interpreted as like the vibe like van gogh didn't really paint or even picasso like he didn't van gogh didn't really paint what the fuck what he was trying to put like starry night it's a bunch of fucking squiggly lines but for some reason within ourselves we can understand oh it's a mountain and the moon and a city even though it's not really it's just a bunch of squiggly lines it's like some but that was the iconotype like under like he was it was like we evolved each time with with these iconotypes we can understand a painting even though it's just lines we know deep down what something is we can we, we can get the ambiance of what he's trying to capture the vibe as i would say and so you're essentially that originated from the Renaissance? No, no, no. The, the Renaissance was more of like, um, he, he said infinite space was the Renaissance iconotype. And then he was, and then he went to uh, Van Gogh, which was, uh, I think, 1800s. I don't remember, I don't really remember when Van Gogh was around, but if you look at Van Gogh's paintings, where did I put my phone? You look at Van Gogh's paintings. I posted one of his paintings to the story this morning of the sea. Oh, really? That's, and the boat. Yeah. That's Van Gogh, yeah. But yeah, I like, feel like, I wonder if... Uh, it's just really lines, but you can kind of, it's a mountain. And then it's like kind of like the, the, the um, clouds and the city. You like decipher images, concrete things. Yeah, and he, he didn't, yeah, he didn't really spend too much time trying to, like, this is a, this is what I'm trying to show you. He was just, like, 
he would capture the vibe of what he was painting and just like this is what i'm trying to portray I'm, it doesn't matter if if it looks exactly like this it's just you don't even know have to know what that is to to like feel what he's trying to portray like it's like a foresty feeling and then he he brought up picasso and how in that era P picasso it was like it was like the dual like the person's looking forward but also at you at the same time like the nose is right here he did, he did a lot of those and that was like the iconotype of our era it was just like an evolution within humanity like we, we came to this level of taste and then and then it made me think about Kanye and what Kanye's trying to put out into the universe or into the world like this organic this he's like creating like an organic vibe we come from like this super technological age and Kanye's coming out with these super organic looking buildings all his clothes these shoes are like very like he's not it's not trying to be perfect or or like um sleek it's just it's kind of it's kind of it's sort of just organic and i was like connie's really like pushing his fucking iconotype into the world right now artistically would you say that his music also falls under that organic umbrella or would you yeah. describe it any differently his new music definitely like the new song he doesn't he I what I've noticed just from like being a huge Kanye fan, he sort of he's just he just goes, he has the beat playing and he just says whatever he's saying and then he like he doesn't perfect what he's trying to do. So he he just has ideas. He spits out a bunch of ideas and they piece it together to make a song. Like, Holy Spirit, come down. Holy Spirit like it like I doubt he did that a bunch of times. He probably just did it once and then they clipped it and they're like, Oh, that would be good right there. It's very expressive and instinctive. Exactly, it's, it's organic. It's very organic. <laughs> totally. That's a great word to use. You know, I would also say that his videographer, Nico Ballesteros, I think is how mm -hmm. you pronounce his name, has a very similar vibe. Yeah, he, 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 like, I, he does a lot of, um, he has like a National Geographic, like if National Geographic mixed with uh, Kubrick, that's a great description. That is a great description. That should be on his Wikipedia page. Honestly, because it's like you, it's artistic, but it's also just like nature. Exactly. I like that. I like that vibe. Especially coming from our era, it's refreshing because everything is boxed and cubed, and you're looking at a, a square computer right now, and everything is like laid out. We need we need organic and. It also it also goes with my ideas. It's not my idea, but something I want to push in my life is just planting more greenery in ghettos or in just areas that need it. Because we need we need organic. We like we need, we should just ride whatever Connie's trying to portray. Honestly, like I don't I don't see. I do, I do feel a type of way when I'm, when Connie does something like, damn, I wish I fucking thought of that. Or like, I felt like I was on a similar vibe as him, but it's just the time. Like, that's just what we are. Like, we should just, we should just collab. Everyone should just, should just ride the waves that are, that are being created. I've been thinking a lot about the analogy of surfing um, 
and how like flow and flow yeah. state on a daily basis throughout one's daily experience is like surfing it's like surfing and you're absolutely right in saying that we should just ride the waves that other people create i think mm -hmm. there's a lot of pressure to to um create things yourself you know and to be the original creator of it and it's like oh if i, I if i didn't create the wave i can't write it you know and it's like but this this goes back to like the iconotype um discussion because the iconotype of our era also is steve jobs the kid that did it in his garage the, the new thing the next big thing the new like that's our that's our iconotype in in the way i don't i don't see i don't feel that the kanye iconotype is there yet but he's like it's an infant stage like we should just push that where where shit's organic like that could be the, the iconotype of the next generation but i say like i would say like before us and right now it's still steve jobs and the young guys the young guys are, are are in charge even so much so that we we disrespect elders we think that old people are just get out of the way old person we'll we'll do it elderly people get put in homes whereas like in different cultures elderly people are the wisest people in the culture and they they have they have like I don't, I don't agree with giving them authority. Like, I don't think that we should have old presidents, but I don't think that we should disregard their perspective. Like, bro, these people went through more eras than us of humanity. They understand more than us. They have, they have, they have, they have more seasoning. Life experience. Exactly. There's a word called ageism mm -hmm. and it's like sexism or racism or another ism prejudice and yeah. it's against it can be against older people and it can also be against younger people and i think culturally at least here in america but but most places probably especially in the western world there really is a lot of ageist sentiment you know and we don't we don't quite seem to know what to do with people on either end you know, the, the extreme yeah. old or the extreme young. And it's like, the youth have ideas, the youth are capable, the youth are awesome, and, and the future, right? right. But, but that isn't to say that their brightness should overshadow and completely extinguish what the old have to offer. You know, they're, we need to find a better balance, I think. Because they're different they're not it's not like the old person's message is the same as the young person's message like the old person went through more he has more of a perspective he is not even that he's better not even saying that he or she is better uh, the old person but they're more they have a different perspective whereas the kid like the, these are the polar opposites the older person has more seasoning but then at the at the uh, the other argument in there is that the kid is is new. He knows what's next. He's looking for the future. And, and has also got the energy and the vitality. Right. right. That's why that's why I agree with the cultures that even when you think of like the Native Americans, like the elders were just these the spiritual leaders of of the groups. Like they had the they were just wise. You go to them for advice. You go to them for not that you have to listen to them not that our not that the young ideas should be disregarded like we do need to find balance like you said i'm reminded of the show avatar the last airbender 
which I've been watching over the last few weeks. And yeah, now, now that I'm thinking about it, how the, uh, the elders are incorporated into the show and into the storyline as importantly as the kids who are the main characters and who the show revolves around. Right. But yeah, I feel, I feel like Avatar has struck a balance, honestly. That's facts, because the elders are the masters, but the right, young masters. are like the warriors. But you know, every student is also a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so in the way that, in the way that the older, the elders, the masters um, can guide the younger people, the younger people can also illuminate things for the older people and remind them of things they've forgotten. Like it's a two-way street, absolutely. It, they touch on exactly what you're saying when Katara, it, when they're training uh, by, when they get trained by Master, uh, I forget his name, from the Water Tribe. Okay. He, he kind of doesn't want women. He doesn't like women in his camp. And then they change his perspective. Like they have a new, they have a fresh new perspective. Like why the fuck not? Women are just as strong and they prove it. And then he's, his mind's changed. But he's still the master. Like they need him. He's still key. They didn't disregard him. They still wanted his help, but they, he, he was refreshed by them. He was too rooted to the cultural tradition mm-hmm. that only allows the men to fight. When, as you say, women can fight too, are fighters too, like fundamentally. Okay. So that is something that young people that we have to our advantage. We, we seem to have this ability, this almost effortless ability by just being ourselves and showing up in the world as who we are. Like we can change these traditions mm-hmm. that the older generations are like, well, it's just the way that things are. We only train the men around here to fight, but it's right. like, hey, I'm a fighter too. If you train me. On that note, I would say, um, Humanity has been this conversation. It's, it's been this long conversation that I would say maybe started probably in Africa, but we can, we can look back to like the Persians and the Greeks. It was like this, this Western and even the Chinese and the Indian, this, this conversation started and then they started and it, 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 can, it was progressive. I see history as a progressive um story or or canon people call it the western canon like um i do i love tradition and i and i love studying tradition i love looking at it i love incorporating it into my life but at the same time it's a conversation like if there's a new idea we don't we don't disregard new things for the old like we we don't have we shouldn't be over traditional but we should still, I think we should carry the tradition with us. Like, I don't think we should completely get rid of it and say that the tradition is just old and it was racist and it was sexist and it was, and it, I think that we should, we should carry it with us. It's, it's a conversation. It's been like, okay, maybe we messed up there, but now, we, now we're better because of it. And, and, and things, and I bet you in the future, the humans of the future are gonna look back and say, we were, we were foolish. They they would might want to disregard our era, but there's there's something to be gained from what we've learned. Like it's, 
it's a continual conversation. Like someone makes a point always throughout history. Something comes up, whether it's Christianity, whether it's, whether it's uh, the civil rights movements or the, um, or even right now, like we, we need to, we need to look at the new, evaluate it. I don't think we should automatically accept the new, but I think that we should come to a conclusion. Okay. This makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense with many different perspectives, not just one perspective, but we should, we should weed out what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and add it to our tradition and keep going and, and, and sort of gather this, the beauty of humanity. That's the, that's this conversation that's been going on for centuries, really. Your point that history is a progressive sequence is a progress is a thing that moves in the direction of progress is a debatable statement but it's one that i personally agree with and i think when we look back on the past through our present contemporary lens and we say and and we point out the flaws um that is an indication of this historical progress of this uh of this like of the centrality of progress to our place on this earth, you know, absolutely. Um, and I actually, I saw a post the other day, I forget who it was and what it was specifically referring to, but it noted that the, the traditions and the culture that gets perpetuated and passed along and moved forward is ultimately that of the winners, right? It's the, it's, the, it's the victors, it's the victorious stuff that gets preserved. And this, you could say, relates to the idea of social Darwinism, which is the survival of the fittest idea, mm-hmm. where the strong survive and reproduce and continue and the weak get weeded out. And it's not just with people, it's also with um, behaviors and societies. Exactly. And so I think there is something to be said for looking at what keeps the current flowing as opposed to halting it. I hear what you're saying. I'd say <clears throat> that's true. I, I don't agree with the... the I don't agree with Dar- the philosophy behind Darwinism that the survival of the fittest continues. I think there's something missing in Darwinism, but because it's not just a scientific, like people live their lives like that. Culture is sort of wrapped around the idea that we survival of the fittest improve and the other ones die, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think that, that everything has its place and that's what, I think it's perfect. I think everything is perfect. It's out of balance. Yeah, I think, I think the way, the reason everything works is because it makes sense that it's reasonable. Everything is reasonable in the universe. But um, I wouldn't say just, I wouldn't say only the winners carry on their tradition because I think the fact that we are global We've been a global society for probably since the beginning of written languages. We've been 
interacting with different cultures. Maybe not everything from one culture was preserved, but I think just being in contact and, and having these discussions, like particularly Persia, like Persia, which is like modern day Iran, um, predating Plato, there was Zoroastrianism. Zoroaster was this prophet. He was a real person, but they had, they were the first ones to have the idea of one God, one almighty God and one bad God or one, um, it was yin and yang, but it was um, deified. Sort of how we do, sort of how Christianity and Judaism and Islam. Oh. They, they, they contributed to the conversation. They mingled with the Greeks. Plato refined the ideas. It, it, it spread through Judaism, Christianity. But yet the Persian Empire just didn't, it didn't last as long as the Greeks did. It didn't, it didn't have a Roman run. It had, it, it had its era. It had its tranquility era or this renaissance. But it didn't continue. It didn't, it didn't continue the way that we look at the Greeks, how they continued, how they are the Romans, how they were the winners, the winners, the winners, the winners, England, the winners, America, the winners. Because I think it's just like, they merge, they separate, they merge, they separate, they merge. I don't necessarily think that the Greeks are the winners and the Persians are the losers. I don't really see it like that. I think everyone's contributing as we're going along. And it's, we're, it's one, really, this, it's this oneness that we share culturally that's progressing. I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's... Uh, survival of the fittest when it comes to ideas especially because ideas are useful to anyone like if you love if if you were if you were from greece and you are uh, you love thinking you love wisdom you're a philosopher then you'll go you'll you'll go to persia no matter if they're being under attack no matter if they're under attack by anyone or their 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 livelihood is at stake you can take that information and apply it to Greek. You can put it back, write about it in Greek, can preserve it, and it and the ideas will live on. And then Plato will come along, and 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 people like Pythagoras. And but that's but that's the that's the job of scholars. Like I think scholars are key in this because maybe in the past they've been prejudiced, but I think they they that they have the responsibility of not being prejudiced. Like they're looking at history. They're looking at the literary works of the, hist of, of the history of humanity, really. And, and they're keeping ideas alive by doing so. And I think that's how, we, that's how we preserve it. It's not like only Christianity is alive. The fact that we know about Zoroastrianism is, is insane. Like what the fuck we know about this religion that was ancient and there's only like, it's not popular anymore. Yeah, I've never heard of Zoroastrianism. What an interesting word. Yeah, it's it's a Persian word. I, I don't remember what the language is called. You see, all I really know about Persia, ancient Persia, I suppose, mm -hmm. is is that it birthed and it housed the poet Rumi. That's oh, I didn't even I didn't know that. Yeah. He's got a lot of great quotes. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know any of his book titles offhand, but a, a really wonderful, celebrated poet. Right. And uh, they, they, they mingled with the Indians a lot. Like they were, the Indians were ancient, the Persians were less ancient than Indians. So they carried on the Indian ideas and made a new civilization and eventually Zoroaster came along and, and started a revolution like how Jesus did. Yet yeah, tracing the, the origin, the rise, and then even the fall, or the, maybe not the outright fall, but the continuation of a civilization or its disbursement Mm -hmm. elsewhere it's a very interesting thing right and it's it's something that we don't like uh, we don't in modern day um have much encouragement to do like there right. isn't really anything saying hey this is something we should be reflecting on learning. that's why that's why i don't agree with the 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 narrative or the yeah i don't agree with the fact that people are talking about only one history survives and everyone else's gets destroyed because a lot of people don't know about history that is still alive. Like if you, if you cared, if people cared enough about preserving the history of the world, then they'd know shit that people don't know. Like we'd have, we'd, we'd put out these ideas that people don't know, but, oh, I guess that's our job. <laughs> but I think that, I think that, just keeping that narrative alive that the white man controls the power of history. I don't agree with that because Rome fell, but yet we still know about Rome. Persia fell, but we still know about Persia. Greeks fell, but we still know about them. Like if they're not the winners. Then who's carrying on the tradition? You know? I hear you. Yeah. There were there there has been shady people in history. Even Alexandria, I mean, even Alexander the Great was shady sometimes. Because actually, in Iran, they don't respect Alexander the Great. He burnt supposedly. We obviously don't know the facts because it was so long ago, but supposedly he burned a very important library, a very important Zoroastrian library. And they lost a lot of uh, key texts. Did he just burn it in the midst of like a battle? Probably. Because it doesn't seem like him. Like the way he, he wasn't like get rid of everyone else's culture and put our culture. Like he was like he was actually curious. He went to India and wanted to learn about Indian things. He wanted to use Indian spices and like, he was more of like a merge. He wanted to merge. He wanted to bring Greek culture to the world. He didn't want to dominate the world as Greek. He wanted to just sh share ideas with the world for the most part. Of course, he, he did it in the name of war and, and, um, killing but he it doesn't seem he he was more of the type to to learn about the culture than to just i don't like this and destroy it to to celebrate it instead of just burning it to the ground i think he actually let a lot of the 
he let a lot of the cultures remain the same. Like same rulership, same government form. He just wanted, he just made a city. He made a city in a lot of different places in the world called Alexandria. And you see that approach is, is not the approach that the white man historically, that Eurocentric colonizers took in their journey throughout the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like for example, even British rule in India, it was not to celebrate Indian culture at all. Right. You know? It was to basically say, we the British, and India is just one of like many locations. The African continent mm -hmm. is another. Right. But it was essentially saying we the British are superior. We, we literally are superior, and so yeah. we are going to rule over you. It's silly. The, the, the British Empire is silly to me because they thought that British, like they didn't see themselves. They didn't see white as as superior. They saw British as superior. British blood is pure, which is silly. <laughs> yeah, it's very nationalist. It was very, it's very nationalist. Very jingoist. Jingoistic. Right. I, uh, there has been shady people in history. It's disgusting. Even Napoleon was weird. He did the same thing. He would, supposedly he, he broke the nose off the Sphinx. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. It's it's weird. No, not, I mean, when did uh, Charles Darwin become a thing? When did he when did he do his thing? That's a good question. I would have to retrace mentally right now back to my tenth grade European history class. Uh, um, oh, not even that long ago, eighteen oh nine. Oh, I was going to say 1700s. Okay. 1800s. Wow. I know that um, the, that idea, that philosophy was embraced by the Nazis. Right. In a very big way. Very vile way. <sighs> there, there's something about the Nazis. It's just, there's something gross about them, particularly be, because they failed, you know? I feel like if they won, we would have seen a different, we would have seen them differently. But because they lost and because it was disgusting loss, it was like a, they did it whatever they had to do to, to try to win. But the Nazi, the Nazi, like Germany was a high culture. They were highly cultured people in, in Germany at the time. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like they were complete savages. Like the fact that they had a eugenics plan they're pretty fucking smart. They had rocket scientists in their fucking camp. Like, I mean, what they did was despicable, but what they could have done maybe would have been better if they had, if they just didn't take the Alexander, the great approach. Cause that's really what he was trying. He was trying to mimic like Napoleon and Alexander the great. But I would, I, he could have done it differently. I, I really think he could have done, if they had those type of minds, they should have just, I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know the complete. I don't know their complete reasoning. I wish someone. I wish there was someone to stick up for them, so we could see that perspective and be like, "Oh, that's what you were thinking. Like, that's what you guys wanted." Because it kind of seems like, because they lost specifically, like they're disgusting. They were just savages. But I'm curious. Well, there are still, um, like Nazis today. Like there are people who identify with. <laughs> with all of that. I think those people are just silly, though. Yeah, there's a couple words you probably use to describe it, but... Because the whole idea of being an American Nazi is silly, like... I don't know. That's just... Why can't you come up with something different? So, a it's different sort of name. like, yeah, what does America have to do with Germany? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, we were against them. Like, I don't, because a lot of them are, like, white nationalist Nazis. But it's like, how the fuck are you a white nationalist if you're, you're rooting for Germany's failed regime? Yeah, I feel like, logically, they, they shouldn't, they should be more affiliated with, like, the KKK. Like, right. that's more or less our Nazi, our domestic. Think, well, yeah, I would, I would say that. I mean... I think the KKK is a little bit dumber than the Nazis, even. Because the Nazis had a plan. Like, what's the KKK's plan? They just hate black people. Yeah, it's very emotion-based. Yeah. But I don't think, I just, I just really think that the Nazis went about their plan wrong. Like, I don't think their plan was necessarily wrong, but the, the, the way they did it, like, the way that they had to get rid of the Jewish people and how abruptly they did it and how disgustingly they did it, that was like, okay, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's not how you, cause I could, I could even understand, I could even understand the war aspect of it. Like, we're going to take this part. We're going to take this, we're going to take this cause it's been done in history before. And maybe that's how at the time specifically, a country would succeed and they went over all the options and that's the best option. But I think they defamed themselves in doing, in doing this despicable shit. Like how the fuck, why did, why, why did you think you would be able to get away with that? Well, a a central reason for the whole Nazi uprising in the first place was the crushing, humiliating defeat, the, the crushing, humiliating German defeat of World War I. Like, they were totally ravaged. And their economy was, like, historically the worst that it had ever been. Like, the inflation rate was ridiculous. Essentially, everybody started starving, going broke, mm-hmm. feeling awful, getting angry. And so Hitler was like... Um, he rose to power and he he was basically like i'm going to get revenge i'm going to redeem the german the german right. name the german race right. no matter the cost but i'm yeah. forgetting now why he blamed um the jews and other minorities like i i'm forgetting where that targeting came from 
but it, it was all essentially a response to war loss mm -hmm. like hum like humiliating humiliating war loss they were hum they were humiliated in after world war ii as well they got Just repeated like, towards the end of world war ii germany was destroyed like Huge parts of Germany were just wrecked. But what happened? What happened after World War II? Uh, the winning countries went into Germany and and tried to revitalize Germany. But Russia, the ally in the in the in the attempt to overthrow Germany, was left in shambles too, and a bunch of huge population was killed in the in the war. But we didn't, the, the allies, the winning allies didn't try to revitalize Russia the way they did to Germany, even though Germany was their enemy. Huh. It's, it was weird. And then, and then automatically after World War II, Russia became the target. Russia became the enemy, the communist enemy. There's communist threats in the country. We don't want any, anything to do with communism, even though they played a key role in defeating Germany. We did nothing to help them at all. Yeah, that just sounds like a political chess game, honestly. That's how, that's how shit goes. And especially back then, that's why like, I don't see, I don't get why people would, n would not be accepting to the idea of Kanye going for president. Like, we know for a fact Kanye's not gonna fucking try anything like that. Kanye's not gonna try some eugenic shit. Kanye's not gonna try some. He's not gonna be playing it like that. He's not gonna be playing with the world like chess. He's not gonna be doing sus things behind our back. Like, I really think he would. He would be a better pick than Trump or Joe Biden. Whether he knows shit about politics or not, Kanye's a fucking Christian. Like. He doesn't even like, like how, what despicable shit could Kanye do as president? As far as the argument that, uh, he's, yeah, he's not a politician, you know, he, I mean, like he's an entertainer. It's like, we're already in that world. Like we have a reality TV star in office right now. So that, that Pandora's box has already been opened, honestly. Well, I don't think that I don't think that politicians have to be trained politicians. I think I think I think there's people that are just politically they there's people that have political opinions that are just as as intelligent as people that are trained in politics. Like people that actually understand politics should be in politics. Like you could we could say Trump was an entertainer, but like He's always had he's always had political um, opinions. He's always been in in the news expressing his politic political outlook on the world. And he 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 went into office with the idea that my politics are going to be better than anyone else's politics. Which is most people do. That's why most people go into being president. My politics are better than the other people's politics. I don't like how these people have been doing things. So I'm going to do it myself. Which, like, if you feel like that, then and you have a chance, then why the fuck not? You know, I don't think, I don't think you have to go to college to be a politician to understand politics. 
Although, for what it's worth, most of the time, um, traditional presidential candidates are also like uh, corporately backed, I would say, which is to say in a lot of ways, they have very strong, almost unseverable um, ties to like lobbyists, for example. And maybe like, okay, maybe I should say this because there's a lot of people that don't understand why people like Trump or why even conspiracy theorists of all people like Trump over everyone else. That for me, when I first discovered that, like I didn't really care about Trump. Okay, like he went into office. I remember my dad, a Mexican guy, completely Mexican, grew up in Mexico. He was, he told me he's gonna vote for Trump back in back in like 2016 and i was like what i kind of got mad at him like why the fucking like because like i was just like with the times i was like everyone hates this guy and you're gonna vote for him he had his reasons for it but then i didn't after that i kind of didn't think anything of trump like i just thought okay hasn't done anything that a, a normal president doesn't do besides the, the way he talks. Like, it's not like he's starting shit that, you know, like he, I can't think of shit that he's done politically that has affected everyone in a negative way. Um, he says shit and it sounds dumb when he talks and he's any, he, he says, He's just worthy of disrespect. Like the amount of disrespect that he gets, he kind of deserves it because he's like portraying himself in a way, he's like an open target for disrespect. The way that he talks, the way, the statements that he makes, the simplistic, well, it's not good, it's bad. Like he like, he like says shit that doesn't like, it's just like, what? It's just like, it doesn't sound like something that a president or someone that's sure of themselves might say like, um, but on that, on what I was trying to say, the reason that all these conspiracy theorists, people are more inclined, like they, conspiracy theorists, people don't trust anyone. They think everyone is, is fucking Illuminati conspirator, but they like Trump. So that for me was like, okay, these people like Trump, why? Or, or what makes Trump more trustworthy than these people? And I would, like, for one, it's less possible. People thought that he would be the guy that made, that has the companies behind his back. But yet every other politician that be, before him had that, except him. Because he already has his own wealth. He has his own fucking business. He has his own money. He's not, he, he's not like, he doesn't seem the type of person that's tied up with a bunch of people. Like he doesn't owe a bunch of people shit as president. And then you look at like, even if you want to take the conspirator route, everyone is fucking suspicious. Everyone has a red flag. That's a fucking politician. Bill Clinton 
there's just so many sh- there's so much shit like the hillary emails are fucking weird they're suspicious obama's involved with the, with the emails whoever's involved with those emails is suspicious like why the fuck are you it's a private email and they're they're like particularly there was this one there was these strings of emails between hillary clinton and this other uh politician and she was like Obama's gonna bring the hot dogs, ten thousand dollars worth of hot dogs. I hope they're delicious. I was gonna say, also, anyone who's linked to Jeffrey Epstein is now a major red flag, and I feel like that email is an innuendo yeah. for some Epstein shit. <clears throat> but that's why, like, how the fuck could you trust Bill? I mean, Joe Biden. Or even Trump over Kanye. Like, you think, like, people are shitting on Kanye. Like, get out of here, Kanye. We don't want to hear you. But you want to hear fucking Joe Biden? I don't understand people. Like, what the fuck is, like, how different is Joe Biden from fucking Kanye? Like, how, how much better is Joe Biden than Kanye? I wish someone could make that argument. Joe Biden? I feel like Joe Biden's just entangled in that whole web that we're talking about. Like, He's in, he knows, he's fucking, like, backed by every Democrat. He, he was part of the Obama administration. He was vice president. He was Obama's vice president. And, uh, particularly even back in the day, he voted on the Three Strikes Act, or the Three Strike, uh, or the mass incarceration. I forget what it was called. But it basically was like, more black people are going to fucking jail. We need to take control of these of these impoverished areas. Three strikes and you're out. Like what the fuck? What kind of? He was also he also was for the invasion of Iraq or the war against Iraq, which which ended up being fucking completely foolish. And everyone that was in part that was involved in that is known to be like they messed up everyone that fucking voted on that shit was dumb like they messed up in in doing that it didn't make sense it ruined our ties with that country i really just don't understand why people like joe biden even over trump like what worse has trump done than joe biden joe biden's been in, in the government for years trump's been here for like four it it kind of boils back down to how, um, in a lot of ways, we just perceive the Democratic Party as the lesser of two evils, and so automatically we just got to throw all of our weight behind the candidate without really taking this closer look yeah. as you are, especially when a truly better, more viable candidate like Kanye does come along. You know, yeah, I was actually surprised by the internet's um, pushback against Kanye's being like, no, I actually am running in 2020. Yeah. And everyone being like, do not vote for Kanye. Like, yeah, it's weird. Like, if anything, if anything, the fact that people are trying to control people's votes is silly. That's 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 a theme that goes on with the Democratic voters or people that are that agree with the left wing policies and shit. Like 
Twitter. They want, it's like they control, like, I've never seen a Trump supporter say, if you do this, then you're evil. I'm sure there is, but, like, right, but I feel like it's more prominent with the, with the left, like, do not vote for Kanye. Like, you can vote for whoever the fuck you want. If you think Kanye is better than Trump and Biden, and it's funny to me that left people, people on the left, people that affiliate themselves with left-wing ideas, they're like, we don't really like Joe Biden, but we're going to pick him. And he's going to do what we want him to do. That, that to me, oh my gosh, that is so silly to me. I don't know why. I, it's just like, I think that what that is, is trying to reconcile uh, the, the frustratingness and the limitingness and, and the box, the very rigid box that is the two-party system, mm-hmm. you know, and it's by saying that, like, well, if, um, if the guy that I want is rung, is rung two on the 10-step ladder of of uh, goodness, I guess, and yeah. and the guy that I don't want is rungs zero at the very bottom. At least two steps above is better. So I'm going to put all my faith into the two steps. <laughs> I'm playing right. with every last ounce of strength I have onto that second rung. But it's like, but, yeah, you're not making it to the top. But then at the same time, here comes along a no party candidate. A no party candidate. Someone that someone that's wants something new, that's talking about new things, left wing and right thing, right wing ideas. He shoot away. You're fucking crazy. Get the fuck out of here. Anyone that votes for Kanye, it's not funny. It's not a joke. This is the most important election ever. If Joe Biden doesn't win, then the whole country is gonna be doomed. I highly, 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 highly doubt that Trump's gonna ruin the fucking country for four more years he he already started like i don't think he's gonna be fucking worse than joe biden in my personal opinion like he seems more competent he seems more like a leader even though he i do like it's not like i'm fucking gung-ho about trump i understand why people like him and i've seen a lot of right-wing conversations go on particularly like candace owens and 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 their whole organization turning point it's like oh these people are actually reasonable people they sit down and have discussions about shit that makes sense and i'm sure there's left-wing there's left-wing shows that do that but at the same time it's like at the same time, I don't see the left having a strong enough candidate to even be advocating for Joe Biden. Like Joe Biden's, I mean, Joe Biden's not strong enough of a fucking candidate for them to be. I don't know. I just think like we should just fucking take, we should just roll the dice with Trump. He hasn't done fucking anything horrible. Like, how many people could fucking point out everything why he's a fucking horrible president? 
besides how he talks. I feel like that's the main thing. People don't like how he how the way he talks. It sounds mean when he talks, which I don't, which I agree with them. Like, I don't think that's needed. I don't think that this whole, he's part of the whole problem with separation. Like, oh, the whole, like the right, but both of them are Joe Biden and Trump. Let, Joe Biden's just the left side of the fucking conversation. He thinks Trump's a fool, an idiot, just like everyone. All everyone on the everyone that's a Democrat, Trump's a, a foolish idiot. And if you don't vote for me, then the country's doomed. But Trump's saying the same shit. But for me, I, I just think that Joe Biden. I don't. I don't think he's gonna be a good president. I don't think he would be a good president. We've already seen Trump had him have his go with it. He wasn't horrible. There's no one better than him. There's like, I don't, I just, I just, I'm, I fear. I, this is how I feel. I feel the opposite of how the left wing feels. If Joe Biden wins, I, I would be scared. Personally, I would be like, oh, oh, let's see how this goes. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be pessimistic about it, but I'm just going to be like, Joe Biden won. Seriously, not Trump. Not even that I'm a Trump supporter. Like, it's just. Joe Biden is honestly, there's really nothing distinct or exactly. distinguished about him. 100,000%. He just He's seems like a, like a puppet. Yeah. He seems like a puppet. And that's what I don't like in politicians. And I'm just scared that we're going to get another one of these guys that are going to make the same mistakes that these fucking chess players that we were talking about earlier are going to fucking make that they've made. He's going to be just like them. Why the fuck do you want another Trump's the Trump's a new guy. He's a new kind of politician. He makes fun of people, whether it's fucking agreeable or not, whether it's foolish or not, it's not the same old game that's been pl- that's being played anymore. And I think that's a good thing. Maybe Trump's the start of a new wave, a better wave. Maybe there's going to be better people like trump but better um actually so three things have come to mind about uh three specific things that trump has done in office and and i think they actually speak to that last point that like even though trump is this like fresh face in this very old in this game of like old powdered puppet mannequin faces that is politics, especially the presidency. Um, Yeah, Trump's not, there's a lot of room for improvement in this new realm, right? And I think Kanye, he really would be a step up. He would be be many steps above, frankly. And Um, I think he'd be the best in a long time. He'd be the best president we've, we've had. Arguably, could go down as the greatest president in American history, straight I swear, up. Because it's never been done. It's never been done like that. But we're so, people, people, think, people think they're so progressive, but they're really traditionalist. You're really, you're really holding on to a tradition by even trying to vote for, by even thinking that Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton and people like that are better than, than something new. To me, that's less progressive than voting for fucking Kanye or, or frankly even Trump like I feel like for a lot of people Trump was what we're talking about that's why they voted for him back in 2016 he was oh it's something new 
something new that's not this old fucking bullshit where there's someone behind the scenes. And, you know, I think it also, I think the very fact that Trump has even voted in speaks to um, the American people's apathy toward and disinterest in these mannequins. Like, literally, if, like, if you didn't, if somebody didn't know a thing about politics and any of the candidates and you listened to like a traditional presidential debate and you had no knowledge to to say this is um who who even were some of the people elizabeth warren pete Buttigieg, um bernie sanders like you'd be like wait they're all they're all the same person they're all they're all like ted cruz ted cruz right fucking now I'm blanking. You see, they're so forgettable. Like they yeah. really. But that's why, like, I want someone distinct. I want someone that stands out, that has balls. In a leadership type way, like you can. Trump's not timid. Like he's not gonna like dance around something. Like he just straight up like will say shit. That's whether I. Even if it's disagreeable with millions of people, I like that more than someone that's just going to fucking serve and duck around any type of fucking controversy. Because it's just like, we don't need that. We need transparency. We need some straight up shit. Like, and Trump's not the perfect example, of course, of, of that. But he's, I feel like he's something, again, like the spark of something that could be fucking new politics. It's funner. If you think about it, it's more fun than fucking boring politics. Whether you like Trump or not, like, it's fun. People like talking about him. Yeah, it really, uh, it really puts into perspective how outdated the political system is. And it's like, it, it, it has not been adjusted and adapted for the modern world. And I just want to say, like, I don't know shit about politics. When it comes to politics, I'm literally stupid. Just as a disclaimer for everyone, there anyone that's want, that's gonna watch this and thinks that I think I know what I'm talking about, that's I don't weird. know shit what I'm talking about. I just I'm just saying how I feel about what I'm seeing and what just how I feel about this whole situation. Like I don't think that Joe Biden, just by looking at him, just by hearing him talk. And just by the fact that everyone thinks that they're going to change, they're going to rule over Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden is just going to be our puppet, the people's puppet. Um, no, he's not. Let's be fucking real here. The people don't fucking have a say when the politicians, the, pol, the, pol, the president is supposed to represent the people, not fucking listen to them and fucking do everything that they say. He, we're supposed to gather, we're supposed to gather as an ignorant, but yet well-informed society like my, like me or you, like we don't know everything about politics, we, but we're smart. We vote for who we think would be the best fit to represent us and to represent the country and politics. We're not supposed to be fucking, not everyone is gonna be a politician. But everyone thinks that they're politicians when they talk about shit. They, everyone thinks they're politicians when they say, 
don't vote for Kanye. Don't do it. You're not, you don't know shit. Like, you know, probably just as much as I do when you say stuff like that. Like you think the end of like, I have to say it's, it's not the end of the world if Trump wins, frankly. It's not the end of the world if Joe Biden wins either. So let's just fucking calm down, everyone. This isn't the most important election of all time. I promise you it's not. Yeah, at the end of the day, the president is just a figurehead for the powers that be. And they're really, even though there's this election cycle, mm -hmm. um, there's, it's like, it's almost like the real rulers, the real presiders haven't gone anywhere and aren't going anywhere. Which, well, which is to say the corporate interests. I don't know, I don't know how much um, influence these companies have, particularly on Congress, because I know Congress is like the real soldiers in this, in what we're talking about in politics. Those are the real fucking dogs. Like these are the these are the guys that roll, run shit. The the Congress, like they have the final say on shit. The tr pre, the tr pres the Trump the president. <laughs> yeah, the what if we renamed it? <laughs> the Trump <laughs> <In the> position. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's hilarious! But Trump can say shit. Trump could be like, "We're gonna do this," but at the end of the day, it, gets, it has to get filtered out through Congress, like. They're the real, they're, they're the real fucking workers in this situation. Like people, like I said this last podcast, but people think Obama made gay marriage legal, but it was Congress. And I it think as far as like, um, whether or not the Congress people are making decisions and passing laws or not passing laws based on their own beliefs, their own compasses. It's like a lot of the times they're voting on a bill because of the money they were handed before the session, like straight up. I'm forgetting, oh, I wish I could remember the sources of where I'd come across information like this, but it might've been- um, Instagram. It might have been Instagram, you know? Or that's where like, I get my political fucking insight. That's Inst where we're, this is where we're all politically educated. Social media is, is everybody's political textbook. It's part of the problem and a good thing. It's, it's kind of good because like it gives the, it makes the room for leaders. It's just like we can't, I don't think, Twitter, Twitter I feel is more dangerous than Instagram. For Instagram, you, you have to kind of build your account to be, to have a say and shit. Whereas Twitter, like you could just tweet one thing based off emotions and it gets a shit ton of fucking retweets and your account's not even popular, you're just some random person. Cause like yeah. on Instagram, it's like Candace Owens. She's, whether, you, whether anyone likes her or not, she's built herself up as this leader for the right, for the right perspective, the right wing perspective. Whereas, like, you know? Yeah, I, I respect Candace Owens, but personally, there's something she says 
like I know there's I was watching a clip from her Joe Rogan podcast where um she was like she was flat out denying climate change she's she was like I don't believe in climate change and Joe was interrogating her like how do you not believe in climate change like as if it's like God I've seen that which isn't to say that she which isn't to completely invalidate her mind right that's what that's what I think like we want everyone to be perfect not not saying that you that's what you're saying but like people like not she's fucking young she is young and not everyone's perfect like we all make mistakes this shit i bet you in the future i'm gonna look back at all these videos and be like oh that was so stupid but that doesn't discredit me as a person like i feel like today we want everyone if you're if you want to represent us you have to be perfect no flaws and as soon as you have a flaw you're canceled that's how shit goes nowadays but it's like we're disregarding the fucking wisdom that these people have because they made a mistake. And also, I think something that cancel culture ignores or doesn't see or acknowledge is the, the journey of a lifetime in becoming a person, in becoming right. yourself. Like, like, the conversations you're having now, like you specifically, are, sh- are shaping the person you're going to be, you know? Right. And it's like, we, we, it's almost like the stumbles and the mistakes and the missteps or the misspeaks are, they're, they're just part of this life. Like, right. they're part of the human journey. They make, they make us better. Looking back at it, especially, it's like, oh, I messed up here. And then it makes it just like, lock something in your brain when you look at it again that's why sometimes i like to listen to the to these um podcasts over and i'm just like oh i sound dumb here and then i lock it in and then i won't make them sick again and I, i think that helps people grow even remembering shit like that i any like for anyone if you if you've messed up you look back at the particular instance that you messed up, it's locked in your brain. It's like the turning of the key, like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna do that again. I won't mess up again. I'll do it better this time. If I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna make sure that it's smoother. You know, I think people, people generally respond really well to constructive criticism. And it's like, if we were all, if cancel culture could shift itself a little bit, Mm-hmm. and not be so unforgiving right i think it could really be this force for good you know because right. it would encourage individuals who truly have misstepped in some way mm-hmm. on their journeys of becoming it, they could be like hey this is not something you should do again this is something you should reflect on we are here to speak with you about it if you are willing to speak about it and we encourage you to be willing to speak about it like if that approach was adopted i think we like we could help each other evolve part of part of what you're saying is could could be blamed on the structure of social media at, at its current form like 
Twitter's not set up for, for redemption. It's set up for you have this tweet, it lives forever. I think, I think the future, I think really what, what makes even something like Joe Rogan or podcasts awesome is because you can, it's not just you and you're kind of, we're, we're refining with each other or, or on Joe Rogan, like particularly Candace Owens could say that, but then Joe Rogan's right there to be like, why? Wait, you really think that? I think that this makes more sense. I think discussion and, and conversation is the future of social media because that's how fucking humans actually interact. So I think like, that's definitely something I want to do with the NRG. Like, how can we, how can we work on? Because really, when I first started thinking or, or, or conceptualizing the NRG, it was like, problem solving like let's just fix problems like shit that exists at first it was plastic in the ocean i was like well why don't we use it to make shit that's cool like if we have if we have shit that's cool then why don't we just use the trash to make something that's cool like why are we using yeah like why are we making new plastic when there's a whole mine of plastic in the ocean that we could just use that was like my thinking like uh, these are simple problems that we can just easily solve. And, and then part of one of, part of the energy was, was a little further. They're like, okay, there's definitely something wrong with the content being put out to the masses. Let's fix that. Let's do something. Let's, let's, let's put a new energy out there. Let's, let's reprogram it. And I definitely want to do social media too, because like we're saying, it's just, it's sort of a mess. It doesn't, it doesn't work with the way that society wants it to work. Like cancel culture exists because Twitter exists really. But um, I think the future of social media, the way that we could solve that problem is shit, something like this. Imagine it was a complete, what if there was only discussions on, on Instagram? Or, or on social media, like what if this was our social media? Obviously this looks ugly, like it's just, it's just two squares and a black background. It's not really set up for, for interaction with anyone else. It's sort of not aesthetically pleasing like Instagram could be. But imagine it was just like live streams and stories and, and, and live shit that goes away after you've fucking done it. And maybe like giving the option to save it. But I don't think that like Twitter and Instagram are, are sort of like designed to look at the past. Instagram is designed to, for you to go down someone's feed and go to the past. Twitter's designed, you go on someone's account, you, you swipe down and it's someone's past. And I think I'm talking really simplistically about the issues that are there. But I think that, that that's key in looking at and finding the issues. The fact that you go click right down, down someone's feed, you're going into someone's past. It's designed for you to look at their past and not their future or their present. Specific, especially Instagram. Like Instagram's a display case of past images. People post pictures of themselves that they took two weeks ago. I think stories are much more appropriate. Like if I put a picture of myself right now, it's me right now. If I talk on 
on my story, that's me talking right now. If I, if I, if I um, go live, then I'm talking, it's real time. It's, it's really happening. And then we need to find ways to make people interact in a, in a nowness, in, in, in a um, real time situation instead of a past tense situation like this person said this five hours ago let me reply to them now you know something that if we were to make that shift something that would take some getting used to is um the fact that like the only people who could join this or witness this or have access to this would be people who are on the app right now, mm-hmm. you know? If it's not saved for, for later viewers to see. That's true. It'd be harder to build something, I guess. And also like, if you could only watch one live stream at a time without like switching back and forth in the way that like scrolling now through the home, you can, right. you, in a matter of minutes, you can see like a hundred posts. Well, well, I guess, um, stories aren't permanent but they're not they don't go away instantly you know like i could post a story right now it's me right now but then it could it lasts the day and then it deletes just not permanently stored yeah it's not it's not there for display forever well i think that's more for like youtube like youtube is more like archives but as far as interacting, interacting should be live, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think? I think a lot of like the whole anger comes from the non. I'm sure there will still be anger. There'll still be arguments going down in live in real time. But I think it, it takes away the shield of past tense, fucking, or even hiding yourself. You know, because you could have a private account on Instagram and then comment something mean that was fucking on someone's account that was someone's post that was like two weeks ago you can comment now something mean about two weeks ago and then the person rethinks what they did like did i make a mistake by doing that even me like on twitter i'll tweet something and then i'll look at it at i'll look at it at the end of the day i'll be like i don't like that i tweeted this and i delete it like i think i think that's a lot of people like I don't know. I don't, I don't think that shit should be permanent. Like it should be like thoughts. Thoughts aren't permanent. We build our thoughts. They get better. And then you come see me in real time. My bet, my thoughts are better. If I talk, if we talked in the past and then I come, you come and see me a year later, I might be completely different. But if you look at my Twitter in the past, you're like, Oh, he's like this. Look, I have a screenshot. He's like this. I think something that also would be good about having an interactive social media format is that it would actually make a lot of people feel a lot less lonely. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are on social media feeling lonely as fuck, you know? That's true. That is a good way of looking at it because it's like we're actually participating together in something live. And... um, yeah, I just think like that could be the best that could be the best way to do social media. Or even like if you want to take a completely futurist 2050 perspective on it, 
what if we could just be in the fucking app? You know what I mean? Like I just walk around and I find you and we're like, oh, what's up? And we just have a conversation and people come to us and we watch our conversation. They could say something. Oh, like virtual reality? Yeah, like, but it's, but it's interact. It's real, real life interaction, you know? Huh. We're just talking. Like, it's not like we're playing a game. We're just, it's just social media. Like literally socializing. Yeah, literally socializing. But you can travel the world. Like, like we, like right now, you're somewhere and I'm somewhere. We're, comp- we're two coasts apart. We're on completely different coasts. Yet we're talking. Just take away the fucking computer and, and put us inside of it. We're in the same room, really. Huh. And, and like, let's say I want to talk with someone in China. I just walk over to their profile and they're fucking live. So I want to go talk to them. You know? And, you know, realistically, you don't even need to be able to speak Mandarin. And they wouldn't even need to speak English. Exactly. And, and, and then I'm thinking, like, famous people. Kanye's, Kanye's live. He's just hanging out. He has his little setup. And there's just crowds of people watching him, like how it is in real life with him. People fucking crowd around him to hear what he has to say or fucking listen to what he's going to do or listen to the music that he's going to perform. Like, uh, yeah, it would, be, it would make more sense if it was like real life. Whereas on Twitter, people think that they're equal, not equal to Kanye, but like people think they could just say something and then hide like something mean to Kanye. Oh, Kanye's not really there. It's just, he's just this fake guy. If they could see him, like the, um, his rally, I feel like that's how people would really be with him. Like they'd just be talking to him. Like it would just be a real interaction with people. But, a, but it's virtual. I'm reminded of the Greek origin of the word media, right? What's that? And it's, I'm just verifying which word. Um, yeah, it's from, it's derived from the Greek mythological figure Medea. Oh. Medea? Wait. Medea or Medea? I don't know. That might be like the goddess who has, whose gaze turns anyone who looks her in the eye to stone. No, that's, um. Oh, Medusa? That's Medusa, yeah. Okay. Medea is the daughter of King Aetes. Um. Uh, Medea is known in most stories as a sorceress and is often depicted as a priestess of the goddess Hecate. But basically, it means illusion. The word media comes from the Greek word for illusion. And so, social media is a social illusion. Social media right. as it stands. Right. Let us change the word, then we'll just change what the fuck it's called. We'll change the definition of social media. Like, you know? Because the word social media, everyone is, everyone acts like they're the media on social media. True. I think it, it should be, we should probably just change the name. Um, but that's the thing, like, people don't see problems as the simple shit like that. Like, 
we don't think that the name of something matters or the fucking words that we use matter, but they really, really do. Like the, the inner, like how I was saying, click swipe down automatically. That's the only option. Swipe down, not look into. It's swipe down. People would overlook that and say like you're overthinking it, but that's really what the fucking app is. That's the most basic. We have to look at the fundamental application or the fundamental procedures that are taken on this app like click or you swipe down oh find this person's account click swipe down i think that that sets it up in a way you know yeah it's really less about overthinking it and more about just observing it which mo like the majority most of us go through the world with things at our disposal, not observing what what they are, how they work, you know? Right. But so much, so much insight comes from really very um just like basic observation. It goes it goes as deep as what you're saying goes as deep as people people won't even turn the thing over to look at the ingredients. They don't even know what's in their food. That's how fucking deep what you're saying goes. Like, we're just, oh, it's a can, drink. Like, we, we just use shit. We don't understand it. And that also speaks to how, um, I mean, this literally is just an observation. It's a pretty objective statement, but like, if you if we put something in front of most people it is just consumed it's just grabbed you know and it's like well we don't have we can put good things right this is your whole philosophy put the good things right but i feel like okay like that's just maybe that's just our culture though because okay like imagine you brought a phone to a greek person ancient greek person they're not going to just automatically go whoop, 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 whoop. like they're just gonna, they're going to be like what the fuck is this? They're going to be like observing it, trying to figure out the the insides of it. But our culture is more like like everything we everything's already been done. So when something new comes out, it's just a new thing that you do. It's just there. Like even it's been that's been going on forever, man. Like. With even my parents, like they're older than me, but yet the new iPhone, just the new iPhone to them, it's not like they want to, wow, this new device. Like it didn't exist when they were kids, but for some, to them, it's just like, oh, the new phone. Even when the new iPhone, even when the first iPhone came out, I remember it wasn't like my mom or my dad was like, trying to figure out how this works like I, I think that's that's just our culture like we just see it we just see the advertisement for it and we're like i want that it's not like let's sit down and what the fuck is this thing how does an iphone work and that's more that's more our generation because now we can fucking look up how does an iphone work and it's there yeah in that regard advertisement is so frustratingly effective in maintaining our consumption culture 
and and the consumption expectations education i mean um advertisement could be used for education it could be used for good it's it's powerful like you said but it shouldn't be used the way that's used like with that power comes responsibility like uh you're programming people you realize that right all these fucking ads like even the most simple ad of a lady walking down the street is somehow or another programming us this is reality this is what's really happening this is real life we need to we need to be more cautious with the fuck with what we're with with the content that we're putting out as a collective you know we need to be we need to be careful you know, I want to make, I'm going to make a fertilizer post about this, about what's considered, he's considered to be the father of propaganda, I believe. His name is Edward Barnes. Barnes? Either Barnes or Barclays. I think it's Barnes, though. And he wrote a book, or you could even kind of say a manifesto called Propaganda. And he was an, he was an advertising mastermind. Um, I'm forgetting. It, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll look back into it for the post um, and share what's like useful and relevant about his own personal details. But he, um, he was working closely with some major figurehead. It was either a president or like a CEO. You know, it might have even been um, somebody, something like a cigarette company. When was, was this? Do you remember? It, where was it? when like i believe the early 1900s mm, okay it, he could have even his whole career you could say um might have even started oh he might have been in public relations is the field which actually one of my friends um has gone into that yes okay his name is edward bernays he was an Austrian-American pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda, referred to in his obituary as the father of public relations. He was named one of the 100 most influential Americans of the 21st century. Damn. Um, he was born in 1891, so he lived throughout the 1900s. But um, I think he, what public relations does, and what I believe that he did was revamp a company that was in like some serious shit. Like mm -hmm. essentially when, when a cigarette company, when some of the science started coming out that like, yeah, cigarettes kill, this shit should not be sold. Yeah. Like have no fear, propaganda is here, straight right. up. <laughs> that's facts. Um, I think that's crazy to think because like even, even the Nazis used propaganda, even Russia used propaganda. Like, Everyone had some type of fucking advertisement to, to mold. Like it's been, it's kind of been key in progress to this, up to this point. Like how can we mold the masses to think away a certain way? Like when TV became mass spread, when TV became widely available to the public, It wasn't, it wasn't just normal. It wasn't just this 
oh, a new fun gadget for everyone. It was like, how can we fucking program the people? That was the government's first fucking thought when TV came out. It wasn't like, this is a lovely thing. We could show new videos of the mountains. Like, no, it was like, let's fucking make everyone a type of way. Which I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, it's just, what, are, what, were, what was the fucking goal of that? Like, what were you trying to make them like? Were you trying to make them more docile? Were you trying to make them leaders? And I don't think they were trying to make people leaders. They weren't trying to make people free thinkers. They were just like, but we could, it could be used for good. That's the thing. Uh, Thomas Aquinas made this point about God. We think that every we think that God is only good and that bad things aren't God. But he said that God does bad things to bring about goodness from the bad. So that his omnipotence is so superior to ours that we can't even comprehend the negative the, the the quote unquote bad I mean it's a subjectively it's subjectively bad, of course. Like a, a hurricane is subjectively bad to my farm because my farm got destroyed. But in the order of the world, in the order of the planet, hurricanes make sense. They're there, they happen for a reason. It's not just some monster in the sky, like we're doubting God or doubting the order of the universe by saying that bad things are bad and they don't bring anything good. Like Thomas Aquinas saying, like, God is fundamentally good, so much so that we think bad, so so much so that bad things bring about good. Like it's it's all designed perfectly. Like we don't we can't understand it, but sure you could say, oh, the t- TV is so bad. Look at all these people just watch TV all day. It's so they programmed us to think a type of way about TV, but really. Now we have, now we have the power. Now look at us. Now we can make our own content. Now we can have eyes on us and we choose what we want the people to see. We choose the talking points. We choose what's put out there. So good has come out of bad. There's a lot of wisdom to that. It's almost like it's, it's created a problem to be solved for us to solve. And it's like, if there wasn't this problem to solve, like what the fuck would we be doing? I think I think God tests us, honestly. Like, is that like problem? Can you figure this out, or are you gonna? I don't think we have to win either. I don't think it's. I don't think we have to beat the problem. But I think God puts the problem to make us better in some type of way. It like, really does seem that the the order and the design of life on an individual basis is one with lessons is one with opportunities to demonstrate what we what we know and what we what we can do right and it's like yeah we i think you either you either recognize that and respond to that or you ignore that and like 
stray further and further from this like inherent design from this inherent structure that's why i think we we've been programmed to think that it's not perfect you know that that we've been programmed by science because it's not science isn't just the observation of nature it's also a philosophy for some reason they've come to the conclusion that it is an accident yet everything makes sense everything is intelligible to the point that we can understand it but we think that's not fucking perfect we think that's not harmonious the fact that we can make sense of something proves that it makes sense that this shit makes sense like it fucking is happening perfectly like we think we think accidentally when it's when in fact it's harmonious the fact that all these planets revolve around the sun perfectly in perfect harmony the fact that gravity exists all of these scientific discoveries prove the perfection of, of the of the universe the under the fact that we can understand these things to me is proof of god and and harmony within the world and i think recognizing something like that goes back to that principle of observation of of the observation of basics and not taking for granted or skipping over and training yourself to not take for granted or skip over or become blind to the basics like that right about life itself because doing so really brings about an invigorated your your own individualized invigoration honestly and you start to feel a sense of purpose about your life, about yourself, about things you're going through, right. the ideas you have, the capabilities you possess. Like, it really can be this individually transforming thing. And it's like any time an individual embarks on this, on, undergoes a metamorphosis, like the, the great thing about that, the great thing about personal evolution is that other people can see it other people can witness it and what other people can witness they can be inspired by they can be moved by they themselves can be evolved through so it's just to say that it matters it matters our personal perceptions they really matter like that's that's one thing that i want to put out with my existence like life has purpose that it's not meaningless it's not purposeless it's 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 not nothingness it's it's there is something profound about life and 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 meaningful to life and to your individual life not just someone else's life to everyone's life has purpose and that everything on this fucking everything in existence has purpose because it exists that's, how, that's what I want to express to people the most. I think something that we get wrong in, in our own rationalizing about that is assuming that in order to believe that, in order to see the purpose of everything, 
in order to see the purposefulness of our human existence in these forms as the person I am, as the person you are, as the person, the person listening to this is, um, is that we assume that we need all of the answers. We need the puzzle perfectly pieced together, right? The giant puzzle that is right. anything here, frankly. And it's like, no, we don't need all of the answers, at least not right now. Like, we don't need all of the puzzle pieces connected, at least not right now. Like, we can, you can still just have that feeling as you do, and, but also have drawn the conclusions you've drawn that the very fact that reasoning and understanding and ideas and discussion are available is a sign of something greater. Like, We assume that we need to see everything in order to capital U understand, but that isn't the case. And that's, it's, I just, it's, I don't know. We don't, we don't need, we think that, that, I think that we think I think every time we un we learn something, we we're it's obviously an amazing thing. We understand this thing now. We understand gravity now. We understand, but it also puts into perspective how much we don't know. And for people that do embark on trying to understand shit, when they're faced with that perspective of of the unknown, they get frightened and they think of how small we are. And how insignificant we are, but that—that's diminishing the fact, and that is—it's—it's it's not helpful to what you just understood. You know, you like—we're not grateful for what we know. Like we think that there's more. We think that there should be more, and then that fact that we don't know more is bad, and that. It's, it's meaningless. There's just too much to know. We can't know it all. So life's meaningless. I think that what you're, you, what you're saying is true. And gratitude is definitely an important factor to be like, hey, I have two pieces of the puzzle pieced together. Right. Like, <laughs> these are two more pieces than I had pieced together a year ago. And even if you only piece together two of them in the span of a year, so what? Like, we're never. They're ne but, but as a society, we're never satisfied with those pieces. We're just like, ah, oh, wow. There's, you know, like, we don't. We don't think of. We don't think of the puzzles that we've already completed. We don't see those puzzles that we've already completed. We see the two pieces that we have, and we see the rest that we have to finish. And like, oh. You know, like, it's discouraging for people when it should be an amazing thing. Like, we're, we're progressing, and I've already had these two puzzles completed. That's such a principle. I've been, I've been kind of obsessed lately with articulating principles mm -hmm. um, that I find useful to hold on to just over and over, on a daily basis, really. And it's like looking at what you have, looking at what's been done, 
not what you don't have, not what has yet to be done. Like, it's really, it's something that you, at least I individually have, have really kind of had to work to integrate into my perception. But you, you, the shift is possible. Like, you really can start to be like, instead of looking at how far you have to go, how far you've come. I think, and, and I think first principles is worthy of a post, honestly. Like, it needs, it needs just, just putting it out there, even if it's a simple definition of what first principle means and what, you know, just putting that, it's, it, it, it could philosophically drive people like, oh, right, I forgot. <laughs> even no. though it's so fucking simple of an idea. Ever since you, ever since you mentioned it a couple episodes ago, which was the first time that I had, which was when I learned about it for the first time, it, I think it's stuck with me. And it's been like, this is something to hold on to. Yeah. <laughs> and to see through, to see right. the world through, to see my life, to live my life through, frankly. That's how, that's how I felt about it as well. Because But the reason that I found it, it was I was watching an interview and he was talking about if every leader and every, uh, he was talking about kings, the philosopher king, that we should have leaders that abide by first principles and everything is based off first principles. And he was saying that that would be a beautiful world. So that made me like, oh, what's first principles? And then there's the video of Elon Musk describing it beautifully, in my, in my opinion, like, it's true. It's just like fundamental, but we somehow forget it. We don't, we're not taught that. I don't remember being taught first principles ever. And that, that's silly. Like what? We, we, we kind of, we kind of, they program us the opposite. Oh, the world's the way it is. And you're lucky to be in the world that we fucking created for you. So don't try anything else. That's, that's how they make us feel at least like we're small and whoever made the desk, whoever, whoever invented the desk is a genius. But you'll never, you'll never make the new desk. I doubt it. The desk works. Desk works fine. But yet, before the desk, using your lap was just fine. You could have just stuck to just using your lap. But that's not first. That's not thinking in first principle. That's thinking in the past. That's thinking in. That's That's thinking over traditionally. You know. Like gas cars make perfect sense, so why the fuck are you gonna try anything else? Don't, please, don't try anything else because gas cars make more sense. They never won't make more sense, and that's fucking wrong. Desks will always, paper and pen will always be better than something else. Sorry, there's just nothing better than that. It's not true because guess what? Fucking stone or whatever the fuck used to be the main thing but now it's quills. not quills <laughs> dipped in yeah, ink exactly exactly we need to look at everything like that like it doesn't have to be like this if we looked at the fucking fundamentals of everything um it doesn't have to be like this at all it just happens to be like this i'm reminded of a statement that steve jobs made in an interview where in thinking about it now, I realized that him saying something like this was actually an effort to reprogram the listeners. And what he said is that um, 
you know, for what it's worth, so often I think people who have people who have done things, people who have lived their lives on their own terms, who speak in interviews like the ones that Steve Jobs was speaking in, they really are trying to share principles that they've come across to other people for really whether they realize it or not for reprogramming's sake. Like they they know. Totally. I, I, like, I, I feel like people don't think like that. Like, I feel like people don't um, get it. But um, you think Kanye is just talking out of his ass when he goes on these interviews? Like, why the fuck would Kanye need to go on TV and talk? He doesn't need advertisement. He fucking is advertisement. Everyone wants to know what he fucking has to say. Everyone wants to take pictures of him and his wife. He goes on there to express something. I feel like this needs to be expressed to the world. He's, he's going off Tupac principles of, of, of trying to figure out, of trying to help the kids, of trying, giving, giving kids some game, like in, in, in rap terms, like they're giving them game. Like this is, this is how shit goes. Like this, this is better. This is better. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Kanye's doing that. But people think, oh, just Kanye going on another rant. But they don't see the significance in what he's doing. He doesn't have to do any of that shit. He feels a responsibility and he's taking up the responsibility that he has as a fucking, the most famous person on the planet. They're, they know what they're doing. They're like Steve Jobs knew what the fuck he was doing. Elon Musk knows what he's doing. There's a Jay-Z lyric from the song, The Story of OJ, where he says, I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for 9.99. Exactly. Specifically, the thing that Steve Jobs said in the interview is that, and actually this is posted to Little Fertilizer um, from like months ago, but he said that uh, what, what most people don't seem to get is that you can, you can push at life, you can poke it, and something might pop out the other side. Right? right? You just gotta, you gotta poke. You gotta poke. You can't just sit back and look at it and be like, oh, I sure hope something popped out. No, poke it, push it, put some elbow grease into it. And something can emerge. At the same time, I think, like, that's beaut- That's a good thing for everyone to hear. But I think he was talking to, to a few people, you know? There's few people that will actually do that. But he was talking to them when he just said that. And anyone that got that knows what what he was doing. You know, like, it's not not for everyone, but it's possible is what he was saying. Like, uh, you can fucking shit. Like, he's going to first principles. Like, it's only there because someone put it there. That's something else that he said. We don't, and this goes back to the importance of basic observation, is that the world as we know it was made by people, people who are no smarter than you or I. Right. Everything around us was made, this water bottle, somebody, it it started as an idea in somebody's head, this mug, it started as an idea in somebody's head, this phone, it started as an idea in somebody's head. And, and a lot of times that shit's accidental as well. Like 
someone didn't even have the intention of doing it, but yet it shapes the world. Like, um, damn, there's something, there's something that everyone, I forget what it was. It was, it was crazy to me, but something that everyone used, it was an accident that they made it. They just were trying to do something else and this happened, but I can't remember what the fuck it was. Um, I just remember that. It's a, like, there's a phrase for that? No. It was something that actually fucking was an accident, but it was, like, revolutionary. Okay, I feel like, yeah, that's ringing a vague bell. Um, yeah, social media is... I've seen that probably, at some point. Yeah, probably social media. Wouldn't you, like, um... Like, Facebook was an accident, kind of. Like, he was trying to make it for Harvard. He was trying to make it for his school. And then somehow, like, oh, he didn't. It went, it went further than he ever thought it would go. And it became, it, it changed itself, really. Facebook was its own entity, and it, it happened, you know? And it didn't even start as this, as a network. Right. Basically, it was like a, it was almost like a Tinder. Yeah, that's why, like, that's probably what it was. I don't, I don't, because there is a book about Mark Zuckerberg called Accidental Billionaires. I think, yeah, that's probably where I got it from. There you go. They weren't trying to be billionaires, but it fucking happened by accident. But to that point, like, accidentally, I think it's God, really. Like, sure, Steve Jobs did his thing. But I think Steve Jobs was the perfect vessel for God to work through. That's how I see it, really. Like, or even if you want to say good, good flowed through Steve Jobs, and he made this beautiful fucking device that everyone uses, and it's revolutionary. Because he, his, not to discredit him as a person, because his, he was fucking smart. He had the taste. He had the, he had the vision. But. I see it more as like he was a vessel for good to flow through, for God to flow through. And I think like strengthening your vessel and then allowing God. Because even Steve Jobs, like he took fucking acid and then he started this amazing thing. Like it flowed through him. I think that's how, that's how, that's what we are. I don't think we're, we have free will. We have choice and we have opinions and we have tastes but ultimately i think that that god flows through us when we allow god to yeah i've been uh i've been drawn to what's called flow state over the last year really both in two ways i guess there's two meanings of that drawn to it um experientially but also informationally which is to say allowing myself to uh to essentially flow as vessel more and more and more and more in increasing ways in different ways in better ways but also learning about what flow state is because i personally find maybe not everyone would find that learning about what is called flow state would be useful in their experience of flow state. Um, But I find that it is, you know, I mean, I feel like that makes sense. If you want to, if you want to be a better, if you want 
better and higher performances study the performance state like that's true i want to i want to bring i think that's why i see it important to bring god into the spiritual conversation you know because even like saying flow state has a spiritual essence to it you know like whereas a materialist person would be like you know we control everything there's no flow you just do what you have to do this does this and then this does this and you add this but flow is spiritual like no i allow i'm allowing god that's where i think we should add we should make sure we should structure it because because we've had this conversation before like we have to look at the what at the can at our history of humanity like we've had these spiritual conversations before and i think that we shouldn't disregard the idea of god because it's been worked on like thomas aquinas was a person plato was a person like they all even zoroaster like we've all been contributing to these ideas these spiritual ideas and i don't think we should disregard them for a new the new spirituality i think that we should structure it in the way that it's been structured and we should add to it you know we should we should we should do what thomas aquinas the most, maybe not me, but like spiritual people should be, should aspire to be like Thomas Aquinas and in terms of revolutionary, revolutionizing religion or spirituality. I think adding to it is yeah. the perfect phrase because looking at uh, what's known about flow state now, the psychological scientific study of it it's basically um increased connections in the brain neurologically right it's it's more connections at like a higher optimized speed and it's like adding to that religiously you can say that like god good goodness you know the highest form the purest mm-hmm. that is in this world is is controlling that basically like exactly that's what that's exactly what i'm saying like we shouldn't disregard that and say that i'm flowing and that new spirits are flowing through me the spirits are coming and and they're flowing through me i think that we should keep the structure there's god metaphysically there's god in my not even opinion. From my perspective, there's God. From what I've seen, it's it's reasonable. It's not not it's not unreasonable. If you're a scientifically minded person, I don't think that God is an unreasonable concept. God is real. But this also goes back to our original what we were saying. Like it's just a snowball. Like we're just it's a conversation that's being had and we're just every every era every epoch is contributing to to this conversation and the new spiritual people have something to offer but the old spiritual people also are there that we can add to the the new we can add the new weed out the, the what we don't like weed out what doesn't make sense 
and and add it and i don't think that science is incompatible with god either i think we should like you said these neural that's where that's where the new spirituality is actually excelling and um that's where that's where these traditional religions are um failing because they don't they're disregarding science as its own thing which is it's just weird to me like you believe in God, but you don't believe in God's complexity. You don't believe that the, the, the mind is neurologically this amazing design. You sort of just see it like, nope, that's science. Science is, is different. But yet it's compatible. God flows through you. Consciousness, you can't find consciousness in the brain. That's a fact. We, like, if you ask any neurological, any, any brain, any science that, any, any scientist that is focused on the brain, none of them can tell you where consciousness is or how it fucking comes into the brain, how we use consciousness, how it's there. We can't find it in the brain. We just see, we just see parts of the brain lighting up when our consciousness wills something science is missing something and religion is missing something but if you link the two together they're perfectly compatible god flows through us it's like the quote that's attributed to einstein whether correctly or not whether he actually said it or not which is religion without science is lame science mm. without religion is blind or maybe it's religion without science is blind science yeah. without religion is lame both yeah. work honestly but True. It's real. Just, it just, we need, for me, for me, like if we want to get to the Star Trek level, we can't draw, we can't leave spirituality. Like we can't, we can't become robots, you know, without maintaining our connection to God. And that's why I think it's key that even, which is another one of my ideas, like, Let's make fucking shoes that connect us to the earth. If we're going to be technologically receiving all of this energy and, and disconnecting from the earth gradually, we need to somehow maintain that tradition of being connected to the earth. You know, like with the freshest shoes, like with, with the best things, let's maintain our spirituality, our connection to the earth, our, our sense of, of of naturalness no totally these are useful things that we can't abandon to get to that star trek you know to get to these ideals sometimes yeah. we, sometimes we need to carry our tradition with us and i think we should always carry our tradition with us it's beautiful like you mentioned earlier about the need to bring more green space into urban areas especially economically yeah. suffering urban areas metropolitan areas metropolitan um or metropolises have yeah. like really uh sadly and also disastrously in a lot of ways lost connection to the natural world and like it boxed us in 
they boxed us in and and to what i'm saying is is biophil it's called biophilic design and it's not necessarily even just adding plants it's what kanye is doing too he's doing biophilic design for by making these organic spaces with organic lighting and organic feeling and an ambiance where opposed to one block one window one block one window one block one window like it's it's weird we need to somehow incorporate natural light into our they disregarded natural light they disregarded natural air they disregarded plants they disregarded soil these are these are things that will make not uh, metropolises aren't bad like uh naturally or they're not fundamentally bad you know like they're they 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 make sense they're awesome you can go there's a train that takes you from this part of the city to the next part of the city and it's fucking awesome the buildings are look beautiful in the sky they're giant but there's just key things that would add on to the conversation like we need to fucking keep a sense of tradition. Like we've never done this before, but we need to, we shouldn't be so obsessed with our accomplishments that we disregard tradition. There's a movie um, and actually a trilogy, a cinematic trilogy coming to mind called Koi and Scotsy by the filmmaker Godfrey Reggio. Um, it was made, I think it was made in the late 1900s, like around the 80s or so. And the word Koi and Scotsy. What is it called? Koi and Scotsy. Yeah, so the spelling is K-O-Y-A-A-N-I-S-Q. I found it. And yeah. it's a word that comes from uh, Hopi, Hopi, not sure which, how to pronounce uh, culture, which I believe is is an um, indigenous American tribe, and it means nature out of balance. Mm -hmm. And basically, the movie, and I, I've only seen the first out of the three. The movie is like this one long time lapse of the natural world at points, and the urbanized, developed metropolis world at other points separately. And then there are some moments where it's the two of them combined. And it's like, I mean, it's just a good movie. There, yeah. Somehow we actually, we should incorporate, um, it should be incorporated into fertilizer posts. But. Um, the fact yeah, that I didn't just, know about this movie though, is like the, the, the shit that we are talking about is less popular than, I don't know how popular this movie is, but not very i saw it in a film class you know yeah. with with a professor who was like polarizingly quirky right which is to say you either love him or hate him i happen uh, to love him um he was he was kind of the uh the stereotype of an absent-minded professor and it's like that turned a lot of students off like he was a hippie or a little bit like yes but no honestly he was like this um like a kind of elderly middle-aged to elderly guy um just like 
oh man, how would I even describe him? I, the words I would use to describe him is awesome, individual, and smart, honestly. Okay. But. The film. Yeah. He also taught um, literature classes. Like he would come up with these really clever, punny, witty class titles, like course uh, titles. Okay. And like he would create his own websites um, for every class. And it would just be a space. Honestly, it was like he created a platform for himself through his classes. Mm -hmm. And like he would just express, like he was, he was just expressing. He was very expressive and instinctive, and yet simultaneously instructive. And it's like for those who were willing to learn from him, his expressiveness, his his instinctive ins expressiveness, taught, you know. But it's like you kind of had to. That's not really how um, a traditional college professor is depicted. Like that's not the mold necessarily of a tradition. Well, it is. Well, it is film. It is film. film. It is the humanities. It is yeah. liberal arts. Absolutely, yeah. you know. But it's like I think that's honestly like his approach to education. I think was so appealing to me because he wasn't just following the script. Like he was. Yeah. He was very much outside of the box in the way that worked for him. But it was also a way that he had reasoned was effective was like sort of universally effective but you yeah. know i think as as most effective things as most effective out of the box things are his instruction style was polarizing and right. like there probably were more students that didn't like him than students that liked him just because it's like when you're i don't know i guess when you're too out of the box um Excess, there's like an accessibility factor, and that's the thing. I think it took some time, it takes some time to warm up to him. Yeah, I think some people don't like when it's when it's all about the teacher, or I mean, maybe not he, maybe he wasn't like that, but maybe they don't, they don't, they don't like the um, they don't like the fact that he's expressing himself as well as the as the material like they'd rather just get straight to the point a lot of people so i think that's maybe why but i do think teachers should be like that teachers should be like i'm interested as fuck in what i'm talking about you know and that was undeniable he was interested as fuck in what he was talking about <laughs> but anyway the, the movie what were you right so the movie i was you know i sort of forgot why i brought it up um, talking about uh, biophilic design and the fact that um, uh, right. natives. I think the the thing about the movie, um, the movie Koyan Scotsy, is that if you watch it and it's like you you sit through this viewing experience where you're just watching like um, like you're watching people funnel through a shopping mall right? Which is like a hub of commerce, you know, of consumption. And it's like this, and when you, when you get to view our uh, contemporary civilized human behavior through this God's eye perspective that the movie right. allows, you, 
I think an immediate visceral reaction is to be disgusted by it. And it's like, oh my God, this is how we are collectively. Like this right. is our, this is the contemporary collective. It's, it's awful. But I think when, if you, if you like, I guess, look a little closer, which is very much what we did in the class, you know, that's, that was, that's the amazing thing about college, or at least uh, film, film in English. Like, you look close as fuck at these yeah. things. But the reality is that there's a lot to look at. So, it was merited observation. But anyway, um, I think there's, it's almost like um, through... It, it essentially goes back to what something that you said earlier, which is that there's a balance to things and it's like through destruction comes creation, through creation comes destruction. And it's just this kind of cyclical, mm -hmm. it's almost like history is a cycle of creation and destruction. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I think like that, but like if I was going to make the movie like that, I like the idea. It's like a conceptual movie it's not really i mean for the way you describe it it seems more like a like you you make you you're you interpret it yourself i'm just fucking showing you what this is it's like a con conceptual piece of art but um i would have shown the beautiful aspects of us i would have shown people gardening i would have shown people in 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 their libraries reading books like with the huge amounts of you know like I think I think I'm I'm sure he did, but I'm I'm getting to a point. Like if he the way that we look, like how you're saying it's not cyclical in the sense that we have this tradition carrying on and we've been adding to this it's not necessary sure destruction occurs and maybe it's natural, but I don't think that civilization is cyclical. I don't think we should I don't think that we should I don't think that should be our tradition that America is a new thing and then it collapses and then a new thing and then it collapses. Like, I think that's a pessimistic way of looking at the future. Cause I think it could be one, I think I'm thinking of it all as one progressive piece of existence. Like we will eventually be Star Trek and we will still be talking about Plato, you know? So essentially, um rising and then stabilizing like hitting a kind of equilibrium i think yeah well just rising as far as we could you know as as far as we can i think we'll, we'll always somehow and maybe progress isn't necessarily technological maybe we'll reach a point where we can't do anything else with technology so we'll just try something else you know like progress could be progress. Progress could be literary. Progress could be uh, uh, new languages. Progress could be new foods. Progress could be new uh, new arts. Like it's not necessarily technological. I'm just giving Star Trek as an example of where we might be going, but we could just stay here and talk about philosophy, and I'm fine with that. And you know. I hear you. But just, I think, I'm thinking progressively in the sense that it gets better, not worse. And 
it does seem to be moving in that direction. The me media and social media makes us not want to think like that, but it really, 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 really is. Like, this fucking picture proves it. Elon Musk is proving it. The amount of... Like, just Jeffrey Mishlove's show in general, New Thinking Aloud, the amount of thinking going on about things that nobody else is thinking about is fucking appalling. Like, there's people... It, this conversation is being being that this conversation is progressing whether we know it or not whether the media wants to talk about it or not i think um we need we need we need to put we need to use our platform to put the light on things like that aren't fucking the world's ending the world's ending the world's ending the world's ending like we need to put the spotlight on good shit you know good things yeah away from the doom and gloom more toward the because i think that the majority of people do think that civilization is 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 a cycle of up and down up and down up and down the roman empire fell the the english empire fell america it's gonna fall but i don't think i don't think that's 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 something that we should be anticipating. And ultimately like programming. Yeah. Program the, thing, the thing about these uh, media pushed forecasts and broadcasts is that when you have like to go back to this idea that there's essentially an invisible and it's like energy based and really God based essentially um it's like whatever we're all focused on is what we bring into existence that's like, true more or less that's so true that's, that's our us, job right we got to focus on better things shift exactly. it and 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 direct it redirect reprogram straight and, up. and 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 uh, maybe like eventually get more people involved you know like Maybe we're not, we, we, we definitely have the vision and we're definitely like the fucking originators of this, but I think we should have conversations with people that are fucking more equipped in, in, in like, we should be asking and, and getting help and, and asking for help and, you know, finding, find, getting perspective on what direction to put it in, like, you can't just have all the power in, in, in deciding what everyone should see. I think as we progress and as we grow and as, as it gets more prominent and more people are programmed by what we put out, um, we're going to need help. We're, we're going to need to fucking get some elders involved or some, some kids involved. Hey, I have uh, Jeffrey Mishlove's email. Exactly. That's the vibe. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you. It really, it goes back to the idea that uh, there's no need to try and claim ownership over the waves. Like, no, the wave is, the current yeah. is the current. Like, yeah. we, we can surf on it. Anybody can surf on it. Anybody can join in. Like, it's not, it's like there's this lyric from the musician Grace Jones 
Um, she's got a song called Sunset Sunrise, and she's like, uh, she's basically talking about how we don't own the natural world. Like, it, be- yeah. it belongs to us. But even to say it belongs to us, like, right. no, we're just, like, we're just temporary surfers. Exactly. Not owners. Even, yeah, that goes deep. It goes really deep. It goes, it goes as deep as to what even ideas are and what even, you know, like, would ideas be there if, if it wasn't humans perceiving it, you know? Like, would justice exist if there was no humans? Would, would a triangle be there? And I think that it would. Like, it's universal in the sense that we don't own it. We don't fucking own ideals. They're there. Like, they exist. They're fucking, they, they belong to God. We are just here to perceive them and like and and to um be sensory with them because that's something that we are equipped with humanly like the senses you know it's how we perceive them really right and then actualize them exactly utilize them but yeah this was a good podcast it was it was All right, well, I'll see you. Yeah, have a good one. Peace.